Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hello, welcome back. Hi, everyone. We are in it. We are, <laughs> we are in it. We are here. There's still going to be a lot to undo from the early year of 2021, but then also the undoing of, of 2020. And I just mean in terms of social disconnection and boredom and just all the other feelings that are out there. So yeah. we we're pretty happy. Lots to unpack from 2020. Absolutely. And lots to do in 2021, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I think that's why we are really thrilled to have our next guest on. Donna, thank you so much for coming back on our podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So Donna, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Sure. My name is Donna Tatro. I am a parenting journalist, a former elementary school teacher, and a mom to two boys who are 11 and 12. I have a my first parenting book coming out in 2021 with Workman Publishing called Kids Under Construction, which is the same title of a podcast that I host called Kids Under Construction on Apple Podcasts. And I'm super excited to let everybody know that I have a picture book coming out in February called Dear Me, Letters to Myself for All of My Emotions. And I wrote this in 2020 (laughs) because of everything that we've all been going through and our kids and wanted to get it out into the world to really help kids understand that their emotions matter and how they can work through those. So that's who I am. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm so excited for the picture book. I mean, on, on both ends, I mean, you have such a unique background that, you know, you're able to see it from both the school and the home side that not everyone is able to see. Most people see one side or the other. So I think it's, you have such a unique perspective. Well, thank you. And you may recognize her from TV, folks, if you see her little on our social media icon from Dr. Phil. So I think that just the span of people that you have reached and that you will reach through your podcast is going to be insurmountable. And, and definitely from this time of 2020, you know, just dealing with your own emotions has been hard. And what I find as I kind of am entering the terrible twos, I'm just going to say it's two and fine for my little one. It's two. <laughs> it's fine. We're going to get through it, but really being able to kind of go outside of just the normal happy, sad, mad feelings and really trying to connect with the plethora of feelings. And I think having a picture book, having just a regular book, having your podcast as a resource has been wonderful (laughs) to say the least. What kind of tips and tricks have you shared on your podcast or you will share or if you want to talk a little bit about more of the feelings aspect to help parents through this time? Sure. I mean, I'd love to talk about emotion. It's a topic that's, you know, right front and center with all of us right now. I think a lot of us are feeling a lot of feelings. And in the picture book, I talk about frustration and I talk about Mm -hmm. peaceful and, Mm -hmm. you know, going beyond just the sad and Mm -hmm. mad, but also about, you know, really being angry and not wanting to do things. And so I think that when we learn to allow our children to really feel their feelings, 
and then help them move through their feelings. Mm -hmm. That's when we're going to be able to create these resilient kids. And, you know, pushing aside the feelings, you know, makes us feel better as parents because it's kind of wrapped up. They're Mm -hmm. better. We're good. But what we need to do is we really need to put in the time and allow that feeling to unfold and then help our child kind of move through it. So I think especially during this time, I mean, we've got so many months into this pandemic and we're told again to shelter in place Mm -hmm. toward the end of the year Mm -hmm. and how difficult that was to hear, but then knowing there's this light at the end of the tunnel too. So not wanting to play this Pollyanna, but really trying to focus on the positives that we can because it's important for our kids to see that and for us to model that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're seeing us way more than in normal times they would because so many families are at home with their kids. Their kids are doing school at home. Parents are working from home. So they're seeing the gamut of our emotions so much more. And it is by modeling, you know, even I was, I mean, my son is only, well, at this time of this recording, almost three months, but I was listening to someone talk about how they're even seeing with like babies born during this pandemic that they can become overstimulated a lot easier because we're not exposing them to as much as we normally would. And I think the opposite goes for emotions, right? Because they're seeing, like, I can tell my newborn, whenever I'm having different emotions, he senses everything. Yes, for sure. That's very interesting. You know, we won't find out a lot of the ways, especially with our kiddos 8 to 15. I mean, their lives are completely changed. Whatever trajectory that they were on, you know, they may have pivoted, right? And, you know, we're seeing a lot of the frontline workers, you know, maybe more will want to be doctors and nurses and, you know, the the heroes (laughs) that we've really rightfully so made them out to be. And I think that is easy for us to focus on like, what about the kids? What are we? And what I love about your message is that, you know, kids are resilient. And I don't think that we give them enough credit. They're just learning, but they're a blank slate, right? And if you're able to kind of guide them in a way, and in the way that you kind of have talked about, you know, with being well balanced and modeling, it not only helps you, but obviously it helps them. And I think that's what's wonderful about your podcast and having different people speak to that, those kind of aspects. What do you think is most important for a parent to really think about when their child is having a hard time expressing that emotion? You know, is it important for the parent to try to remain calm? You know, what are kind of some tips for the parent on that aspect? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that as parents, you know, when we see our child suffering or frustrated or sad or whatever's going on because of this pandemic, but then beyond the pandemic, it's kind of taking that deep breath, which sounds really simple, right? But Mm -hmm. taking that deep breath, standing back and giving it a moment and then getting really, really curious and asking questions. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. What, where is this coming from? How can I help you? Lots and lots of questions, getting really, really curious And lots of times when you ask those questions and they kind of tell you how they're feeling, they're ready to kind of move on. So it's letting them really feel, letting them express. And I think, you know, in this whole talk about emotions and resilience, you know, I think that this year has really allowed for us to teach our children 
some serious resiliency mm-hmm. in that we can teach them how to self-advocate. Mm. They started Zooming and, you know, they were Zooming in March toward the end of the year, last school year, and then had to restart with the Zooming. And that didn't mean that they knew everything that was going on. They had to relearn it again. They had to get back up on those Zooms. And I think teaching children how to self-advocate in these scenarios, like, so you can't get on a Zoom. You don't need to be so frustrated and um, upset. Yeah, feel it. But then Mm -hmm. how are we going to get out of this? So, Mm -hmm. you know, can you just teach your child how to maybe write that email to their teacher that, you know, they never had to do when they were in fourth grade and sitting there at the desk in the classroom, they just could talk. But so teaching them all these different ways to self-advocate. So how are we going to sit down and write an email to your teacher, letting them know that, you know, Zoom went down in our house and Mm -hmm. what can I do? So just little tips and tools to really, you know, help them through and teach this self-advocacy. What can you do to make this better for yourself? Instead of here's what you have to do. No, what can you do? And then when they say what they can do, then help them achieve that goal, enter in if you need to. But if not, step back, step back, step back, Mm -hmm. because that's how they build their resilience. Mm -hmm. I love the curiosity. That's such a perspective shift for me, (laughs) right? Is being curious. Like I have all those thoughts in my head, but I'm not necessarily saying it out loud. So that's a great, just very practical tip, right? Of, you know, what's going on What's it, you know, and really just helping just step back from the moment. Because oftentimes, I mean, I think this is why Amanda and I are attorneys. We see a problem, we want to fix it. Okay, we're problem solved here. This is what we have yeah. to do, you know, and being at home during the pandemic and really being able to separate, you know, work from home, you know, because I know at the beginning, I was just beside myself, my daughter had gone to learning center as part of her daycare. And I really didn't understand how much like I knew how much they were doing with her. But when she was home, you know, I immediately was like, Oh my gosh, she's not gonna have any socialization. I have to teach her number, you know, and I was like freaking out. And they were so supportive, you know, they still have done zooms with her throughout this time. And you know, it hasn't been more than, you know, her attention being like five or 10 minutes at the most, right? But just being able to take a step back and be like, you know what, she's very young, it's going to be okay. And really getting into her wanting to be curious about certain things. And like how Amanda was saying, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the consequences of this. But like our kids will be okay. You know, we are trying to build that resilience in them. And I think that is imperative for parents to still hear, even if we make it through, you know, in the next few months unscathed, you know, there'll be other challenges. This is unlike any other, but you know, your kid's going to be okay. I think that that's an important message that not a lot of parents get, even though there's all these books and everything, you know, having a podcast and being able to listen to it. And even just that first episode, your second season of, you know, why kids are disconnected, you know, the obvious, right? Zoom. But how can we get them during this time? I know you gave the example just now of like helping them reach out to their teachers so that they're, you know, connecting or advocating. Do you have any other kind of practical advice for parents during this time of how they can connect with others and really build that empathy and sympathy? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're talking about the fact that it's going to be fine. Yeah. And if parents 
can say that and know that because it will be fine. This is just a moment in time. Yeah, it's a difficult moment, but it will be fine. And kids can glob onto that and feel that feeling too. So look, I think that one of the most practical tips is everything that you thought about technology for your kids was thrown out the window yeah. when this happened. Yeah. Right. You've got to be flexible. You've got to allow for some movement. And what I found was, you know, look, before the pandemic, my boys, Monday through Fridays, you know, they weren't playing video games because, mm-hmm. you know, our rules in our house were, you know, you study and right. your sports or whatever you're doing, your mm-hmm. extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. Weekends, you get to, you know, be on video games and have some fun. Right. This pandemic changed everything. And so I think that, you know, allowing our kids that time to be on technology to socialize, that's mm-hmm. how they're socializing mm-hmm. now. Right. It's funny, my son early on in the pandemic had the TV on with basketball on, and then he had a computer in his lap. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? This double screen. And you know what? He was adapting. He had his buddy on, on that screen, and they were watching the basketball game Aww, together. And I yeah. was like, OMG. I mean, that's it. how we're learning to connect, and right? I mean, yes. we, my family had done Zoom game nights where we have one screen where we're playing some kind of game, online and the other where we see each other i mean that's a new it's socialization it may seem like oh too many screens but you know so some socialization is better than none right you know we need something yeah and so kicking out that screen contract until we get back to normal is a fair thing for parents to do and then not feel guilty about it you know don't worry about it they're communicating and they're you know look if they're in the room by themselves playing video games by themselves for hours and hours that's Mm -hmm. a different scenario Mm -hmm. clearly right Mm -hmm. but socializing and communicating this is how they are socializing now well it's all about setting those expectations right we don't give them enough credit if you give them the expectations ahead of time of, you know, what they should be doing and how they should, you know, act, not just from modeling, but also, like, express to them the expectations, they can rise to that challenge. But if we don't set those expectations at the beginning, you know, then they're kind of, and I think that's what happened at the beginning of the pandemic, is that everyone rushed to, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, that I don't think anyone explained to the kids, like, hey, this is a new thing, these are the new expectations, because things are different, it's going to be okay, but here are the expectations. I think there would be, and we saw that with a lot of schools. A lot of schools didn't explain expectations um, about grades, about, you know, turning in assignments, about being on camera. And we quickly saw a lot of, I don't want to say discipline, but we saw a lot of schools getting upset that students weren't logging in all the time mm-hmm. or they weren't on camera Absolutely. and they weren't really taking the time to you know, I think explain to the kids why it was important for them to still log on, right? Or why it was important for them to be on camera if possible. Obviously, there are some challenges for some students, but I think that that really, you know, can help things so much, both with schools and with parents, if we set those expectations to begin with. Yeah, I love that. And setting new expectations is just a part of life. And, you know, we're changing the expectations. This is what we're doing now. You know, we will discuss what might come up 
in the future. But I think that, you know, life is a moving target. We have to be able to be flexible in our expectations. But I think that if your family has a solid value system, those expectations will always fall within that value system. And so being malleable with the expectation does allow for children to kind of see how life is moving. But when you have the values, those expectations are then centered around the values. I think that is so important. And we could say it a hundred times, right? (laughs) Like, and, you know, as we were ending last year and some of the IEP meetings we were going to, I had a really great one where the team just completely understood everything that had happened to this child in terms of him being biracial, Black Lives Matter, the election, and he's a high school student and just already with his learning profile and neurodiverse kind of brain. And and we really got together and had a plan of action for him for this next semester, which we knew, you know, we knew to a certain extent was going to start online, but you know, the expectation was that let's just assume that it's going to be online the whole time. If kids go back, you know, in person, then we can deal with it then. then. And I think that was a great perspective shift for the IEP teams because we all get to a meeting and it's for the year. This is the plan for the year because we assume nothing is going to change. But one (laughs) thing about the 2020-2021 school year is that I could be negotiating X, Y, and Z, and then the next week the school has shut down because of fires. The school is no longer doing in-person because there's a spike in the... It was just, it was insane to me, and I think that was a valuable lesson for all of us. But, you know, really being able, and that's what I appreciate about you, your books, and your podcast, is that, you know... It is okay. Save the parent guilt for something else. Like, just don't even have it, you know? Like, just throw it away. And I think that this time has really, I hope, I know for me, you know, it's definitely gotten rid of a lot of it. And people are talking about it more. And that's what I think is important about the feelings book as well, the picture book, is that more people need to be talking about it and normalize it. And that's where Amanda and I come in with the, you know, mental health. (laughs) It needs to be normalized and talked about and taught in schools and things like that. And so, Donna, is there anything else that you would kind of want to leave parents with? I know we got into a lot of different topics, but is there one thing? And then obviously, please, you know, where can they find their podcast, your podcast? How can they contact you? All that good stuff. But I'm all over the place. I've had a lot of caffeine this morning. What would be the last thing that you would want parents to kind of take away from our discussion today? (laughs) You know, I really believe this deeply in my heart. I really think that parents need to find their own self-compassion. And I really, really think that when parents can be compassionate to themselves and everything that they're doing as parents and knowing that they're trying the best that they can, they're doing the best that they can. There's no one perfect parent. There's no Mm -hmm. one child Mm -hmm. who is the same or one parent who is the same. Every scenario and family is different. And to not compare Um, yourself with anybody else and to just look at yourself and know I'm doing my best. And I'll leave you with this. When I wrote Dear Me letters to myself for all of my emotions, Mm -hmm. I wrote it so that children could speak their emotions and write to themselves and say, Dear Me. But I will say this as I've written it and as I've gone through different emotions of my own as a parent Mm -hmm. and not feeling like I'm you know, necessarily doing the right thing with my boys or this pandemic Mm -hmm. or whatever, 
I will say to myself, dear me. (laughs) And I'll say, Donna, it's okay. Yeah. And I think that every parent needs to be able to say that to themselves and just know you're doing the best you can and your kids know that you're there and your kids know that you love them and they'll feel it. So that's what I feel. I love it. You can find me at Donna (laughs) Tatro on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my podcast is Kids Under Construction on Apple Podcasts. And you could see me on The Doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Donna Tatro, thank you so, so much for coming on to our podcast and sharing all of the wealth of knowledge that you have. And we really appreciate that mantra of, you know, it's going to be okay and you are doing okay. And dear me, I love that. That's how I want to start my mantras. (laughs) Dear me. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.